Welcome to week six of Strider NFL Football Reviews. I'm your host, Ian Strider, and this is the show where I get to talk about my absolute favorite sport in the world, the NFL, and what happened in the week. Another thing I like to talk about is great food. So to start the segments off, we're going to jump into primetime lights and primetime bites, where I not only talk about the great primetime games of the week, but I'll also highlight how I paired those games with delicious meals and snacks and treats, and maybe did some other good activities to make sure I wasn't just sitting on the couch doing absolutely nothing during the game. Then I'll really get things cooking where I jump through a handful of games in rapid fire in hot takes. After that, I'll examine the three teams I love the most in Fan Favorites. And those three teams are the Chicago Bears, because I grew up in the 80s when the Chicago Bears had their Haiti with Mike Ditka and Refrigerator Perry and my favorite running back of all time, Walter Payton, and the Denver Broncos, because I was born and raised in Colorado, and I love them so much, I, I got to watch them every year, pretty much not quite make it to the Super Bowl and then I moved to the Bay Area and then they won two Super Bowls in a row and then of course the team that I've been watching in the Bay Area for 25 years the San Francisco 49ers then to cap it off I'll finish the show with the most entertaining games of the week countdown and I'll tell you a little sneak peek there were three overtime games this weekend Which one will be the best? Or maybe it'll be a different game altogether. Stay tuned to find out. But first, we're going to start the show with... (laughs) Lame Ducks! For our first Lame Duck, we'll head on over to Detroit, the Motor City, where the Lions got pummeled, losing 34-11 to the Cincinnati Bengals. And it wasn't even as close as that. They got a touchdown near the end when they... Probably should have just given up because there wasn't any time for them to make it all up. But Dan Campbell kept pushing his team, trying to instill some, I guess, work ethic in what they're doing. But the lame duck part comes with Jared Goff, who had a decent day. I mean, he threw for a touchdown and 202 yards, no interceptions. But Dan Campbell called him out after the game in front of the media, saying he needed to step it up and, quote, make some throws and do some things. And he took like a good minute to think about how he wanted to phrase what he wanted to say about his starting quarterback. You could tell he is not happy with his quarterback. He's not happy with his whole team, but it really seemed like he was calling him out. And I don't know if Jared Goff can make, get it done. I think Jared Goff needs a better team around him to do it. I don't think he's going to do it all on his own, but for this week, Jared Goff and the Detroit lions, you're a lame duck. Now for my next lame duck, moving on over, and I guess a little south, to the Hoosier State, Indiana, where the Colts dominated the Houston Texans 31-3. So obviously the lame duck isn't going to a, a, a Indianapolis Colt. It's going to the Houston Texans, who only got three measly points. And their third-round pick rookie quarterback, Davis Mills, who is struggling mightily still. He had zero touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, he was supposed to be a backup for a reason, and it's showing. And until they can get their starters back on the field, I don't think we're going to see many wins, if any, from the Houston Texans, my second lame duck of the week. All right, moving east coast to the Big Apple, 
or at least next to the Big Apple in New Jersey, where the Giants got crushed by the Los Angeles Rams. And Daniel Jones stunk it up. Last week, he got that concussion. Maybe that's still a carryover because he was starting to show some real promise on the season. But boy, was he rough today. He had 29 completions of 51 uh, attempts for 242 yards. But the big mistake, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, and a strip sack lost fumble. Didn't know to get rid of, didn't get rid of the ball in time, made bad decisions. All the things that people have criticized Daniel Jones for in the past, it all came back this game and it was tough to watch. I mean, with Saquon Barkley being injured and being out for an extended period of time and a lot of other injuries happening on that team, the New York Giants are probably going to sit in lame duck status for quite a while. So that is why, Daniel Jones, you get lame duck of week six. For my next lame duck, it's a team that's really been doing quite well. So we'll head on over to where it's cold and chilly but maybe not yet because of perhaps climate change. Cleveland, where the Cleveland Browns got manhandled pretty much like every team's been gotten manhandled by the Arizona Cardinals, 37-14. to 14. And the lame duck part for this game isn't that I, don't, that I think maybe they're a bad team or the players really messed up, except for they kind of did. They did not play well. Baker Mayfield, I would not say played well. That team didn't do well. They made mistakes on both sides of the field quite thoroughly through that game. But the lame duck here is the injuries that happened to the Cleveland All-Stars. Kareem Hunt got injured, and apparently he's going to be out for multiple weeks. Baker Mayfield got injured, and it seemed like it puts him in doubt. And they're playing on Thursday to my favorite team, the Denver, one of my favorite teams, the Denver Broncos. So I'm curious to see if Baker Mayfield will even be able to suit up. So for a team that's going up against a really tough division, is looking really hard for the Browns to keep up with the other teams in the division, especially if Baker Mayfield can't play and now Kareem Hunt's out and their starting running back Nick Chubb's already out. It's getting dire and this game is a game of attrition and that might be the reason why the Browns don't make it to the big tournament, the playoffs, come the end of the season. And for my last lame duck of the week, I'm going with a team I've been talking about as being the best team in the AFC, a team that I think might make it to the Super Bowl, the LA Chargers losing 6-34 to to the Baltimore Ravens. And they just couldn't get anything going. Nobody looked good in this day. Justin Herbert had his probably worst, one of his worst games of his career. Apparently it was his second fewest yards in his young career, only for throwing for 195 yards. He threw for a touchdown and an interception, but just didn't play very well. He had bad throws. His receivers had drops. His running backs didn't play well. It just was a bad performance. The defense didn't play well. It was just a lame duck kind of day for a team that I still think is going to be very good. The Chargers are still going to make the playoffs in my estimation. But today, the LA Chargers and Justin Herbert, who I really like, today you're a lame duck. And now, let's move on to Primetime Lights and Primetime Bites. And like I said at the beginning of the show, this is where I will talk about the primetime games And I'll kind of pair them with the food that I enjoyed to make my experience even better while I watched these wonderful games that happened this week. And maybe some of the other things I did to kind of spruce up my experience. So let's start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the Philadelphia Eagles 28-22 on Thursday night. And I paired that wonderful game with a fried prawn po' boy from Two Jacks, a restaurant that's up the street from my house. 
That's two jacks. They're open sometimes. You never know. You go there, and if they're open, good for you. If not, find something else to eat. But they make some delicious soul food and down-home down cooking. There's a lot of um, fried in, like, breaded uh, cornmeal breading. So my po'boy had shrimp that was breaded in cornmeal, and it was delicious. It came with all the same things you would expect in a po'boy sandwich, some remoulade, this one had a little bit of coleslaw, some tomatoes, and they actually threw a piece of American cheese on there, which I liked. The bread was soft, and the shrimp was very flavorful. It was good. It wasn't the best price, and it was kind of small, but I loved it. And, you know, how does that pair with the uh, the game? Well, it tasted good, and it was different. And I guess you can get shrimp in Tampa Bay, so we'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> but I did enjoy the game thoroughly. Tampa Bay dominated the first half, outscoring Philly 21-7. And really, this game wasn't even that close. Even the score ended up 28-22. Philly's offense was dreadful. They did not look good for most of the game, except for some moments where they pulled it together and kind of in, in desperation time, they got some scores. But Tom Brady was masterful yet again with over 80% completion of his passes. 80%. So that's 34 passes out of 40, excuse me, 42 passes with 34 completions. Yeah, he had an interception. He only threw two touchdowns, not nearly like what he did last week. But Tom Brady, again, is showing why maybe he deserves to be credited as another MVP for this season. And he's like older than any quarterback ever in history. So, you know, props to you, Tom Brady. You make us all look bad, <laughs> but you're the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And I can't argue that. Um... Jalen Hurts, you know, on, on the Philly side as a quarterback, you know, he made up for another poor outing in his passing, which really wasn't very good. He only had 115 yards and a touchdown, but he did have two rushing touchdowns off 44 yards. So, you know, Jalen's getting better and he's young and we'll see how it goes. Um, and that was the Thursday night primetime game. And now moving over to Sunday now, my primetime bites on Sunday started really at the beginning of the day for lunchtime because I ordered barbecue, kind of tailgate style, at least in my mind it was tailgate style, kind of a nod to what you might enjoy at a tailgate party, and I feasted on that all day and pretty much all night. I got it from Dickie's Barbecue Pit, which is a franchise that's all over the country. They've just recently showed up in San Francisco, where I live, which has given me a chance to finally enjoy their version of barbecue, which is very solid Texas barbecue, which really brings forward some special childhood memories for me because my parents used to take us to a place called Wrangler's 2 in Colorado, where they had Texas barbecue and probably the best barbecue sauce I've ever had in my whole life. I've never had anything quite like it. It had these like charred bits of onion that added so much flavor to the sauce, something that I've, I don't think I've ever seen anywhere else. It was a little bit runny for a barbecue sauce, but the flavor was spot on and it went perfect with the ribs that we would always get. And so now every time I have barbecue, I kind of compare it to that, which really means most of the time I'm disappointed with my barbecue, but this one was solid and spot on. There's not a lot of great barbecue spots in San Francisco, so getting another one that's relatively affordable for barbecue standards that makes solid good food was awesome. And I got basically food for lunch and dinner. I had a pulled pork sandwich for lunch with some coleslaw. And then for dinner, I had some chopped beef brisket, some kielbasa sausage, 
as well as a barbecue pork rib because you can add on an extra rib. I mean, how awesome is that? I love ribs. Don't always want to eat them as my whole meal. I added just one. and It was delicious. And I had some really good sides with it. Uh, it was like a mashed potatoes with some bacon and cheese and green onions. And you got to have baked beans with the barbecue. So I went with some baked beans. Delicious meal. And it went really well with the football game. You know, it wasn't Seattle-themed or Pittsburgh-themed, but it felt football-themed, and that's what I loved about it. So I enjoyed Pittsburgh edging out Seattle 23-20 to in overtime in a game I really didn't think was going to be that close, considering the Seahawks lost Russell Wilson for multiple weeks because of the finger issue, uh, injury he had last week, which, which is quite gruesome, seeing it get smashed up against um, Aaron Donald's hand and then looking all tweaked and bent out of shape. So they had to go with Geno Smith, their backup, who I assumed would make some big mistakes and cost them the game. And really, he did make big mistakes. But he also kept them in the game and kept it interesting. And it was a lot of fun. The Seahawks run game, though, is what really got them back in it in the second half after they had been shut out all first half. And then Geno Smith got to be the star of the fourth quarter, coming back after the Steelers got the field goal to get in the lead, 20 to 17. And then Geno drove down the field with a minute and thir- in a minute and 30 seconds with almost zero time left on the clock. I think it was like one time, one second at the end. And there was some drama that surrounded that because the refs took a moment to double check to make sure the play before it was good. So there's a little bit of question whether or not they would have had as much time to kind of take a breath and get ready for that field goal attempt. But, but Geno Smith got him down the field and they got the field goal. They got it to overtime. And then something happened that doesn't happen very often in overtime, which is the all-star, the, the superstar, the guy who that won the game was not an offensive player at all. It was defensive star linebacker T.J. Watt, brother of J.J. Watt, who plays for now the Arizona Cardinals and played most of his career for the Houston Texans. And man, did he have a couple amazing moments. Seattle got the ball to start overtime, and he had the sack to force fourth down and get Seattle to punt the ball on their first drive. And then after Pittsburgh couldn't do anything with the offense and they punted back, J.J. Watt got a strip sack to end Seattle's second drive and get them in immediate field goal range for his team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. J.J. Watt looked good all game. He's a star. He's always fun to see as a defensive player. Goes 110% every time. And he had seven tackles for two sacks and that forced fumble. And then Pittsburgh got the field goal to finish it off. Easy breezy. They didn't even have to do anything. They pretty much just made one play to kind of line up into the center of the field so their kicker could make a nice and easy goal. And that was the Sunday primetime game. Okay, to finish off the week on Monday night, I paired the Monday primetime game with a smorgasbord of noshing. I started off with a Southwestern chicken salad. Um, Then I had some buffalo wings because the game was Buffalo versus Tennessee. Then I had a bunch of leftovers to mix in. So I still had some leftover ribs and kielbasa and chopped brisket. Um, And it was pretty much like a whole bunch of snacking. And I also had some delicious fresh organic fruit, some berries, blackberries and raspberries that I picked up at the store. That's a great way to snack snack while you're watching football and, and you feel healthier. And it was really a healthy night for me. I, I was dude, I did my exercise, I got my dumbbells, did the full body workout with squats and lunges and 
push-ups and presses and shoulder presses and curls, the whole kit and caboodle, some planks and uh, everything. Um, so I felt really healthy and then I ate kind of a big meaty, meaty meal, kind of keto, not a lot of carbs. And it went perfectly with what had to be one of the best games of the week and which, and you'll find out later in that segment how I rank it, but it was an awesome game with the Buffalo Bills just barely losing to the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee, 34 to 31. It was a huge, exciting game. There was seven lead changes, which apparently tied a Monday night football record. And the end was like a shocker. I mean, they had Buffalo had a chance to kick a field goal when they couldn't complete a first down when Josh Allen did a running play where he went leaping and somersaulting in the air and got stuffed with one yard to go. And then they decided to go for it on fourth down when they had this super easy field goal kick. I guess they felt because Tennessee had scored on their last six drives, that it just wasn't worth the risk of taking the flip of a coin to determine who got the ball and likely one that would win the game in overtime. So they went for it with fourth and like pretty much a half a yard. And Allen, who has actually got 13 of his last 14 completions on a fourth and one, kind of lost his footing and tripped a little bit and got stuffed and they didn't get the completion when they could have taken the field goal and taken it to overtime, and Tennessee won the game. And this game was just fun from start to finish. Like I said about all the lead changes, but my favorite thing about it was watching King Derrick Henry have a huge day, which really blew up on his fifth carry of the day after getting pretty much stuffed in the first four, and he blasted out a 76-yard touchdown run to respond to a touchdown by Buffalo and it was awesome and then he kept it going for the rest of the day he had 143 yards off 20 carries by the end of the day and three of the touchdowns for his team super fun and it's really cementing his place in my mind as one of the all-time best running backs he's certainly one of falling into my top five category and my favorite running backs Um, Some of those would be Walter Payton, because like I said, Chicago Bears, and I grew up with them and saw Walter Payton as a kid, uh, watched Walter Payton on TV as a kid. Terrell Davis from the 90s and the Broncos, who helped them win two Super Bowls. And probably Eric Dickerson, who I happened to find his rookie football card from a random pack when I was a kid. So this game was awesome. There was also some great play by the receivers, Stephon Diggs. Did a really fun touchdown celebration that was, I think, a bit of a Michael Jackson impression. But he looks like he just has fun on the on the field all the time, and he's just really talented. He's got all the skills to get a defender off him at the line, to break him away from him during his routes. He's just a fun player to watch. And then on the other side, Julio Jones, who was a really smart free agent move, pick getting picked up from for Tennessee from the Atlanta Falcons had this acrobatic nuts catch where he went to receive the ball. The defender was in the way the ball hit the defender in the helmet. And then instead of kind of bouncing to the ground, it bounced up in the air and started heading towards the sideline. And Julio Jones had really good presence of mind to follow the ball and, and snag it and drag both of his toes just enough before he went out of bounds to get this really important play that set up another um, another touchdown. Just really fun game. There was a couple other really funny moments. Um, 
they did a bit of a reenactment effort of the Music City Miracle. And if you don't know the Music City Miracle, it was from the 90s when a underdog Tennessee Titans team uh, led by Steve McNair, who was a great quarterback in his day, um, was in the playoffs against a very strong Buffalo Bills team. And they were losing, and it looked like they were going to lose the game. And then on a kickoff return, they lateraled the ball all the way across the sideline, all the way to the other sideline, surprising the Bills, and then ran it in for a kickoff return touchdown, which was shocking. So they try this again in this game. And when they go for the lateral, they throw it forward. So it's it's an illegal forward pass. It causes a penalty. But it was fun to see them try it because it was them going up against the Buffalo Bills again. It was really just a perfect football game. If you like seeing strong defense and strong offense, great quarterback play, great running back play, intensity from both coaches, making gambling decisions, loved it. Great way to finish week six on a Monday night. And that was Primetime Lights and Primetime Bites. All right, now let's move on. And I got to turn on the stove because it's time for Hot Takes. Let's start things off with the Cincinnati Bengals dominating the Detroit Lions 34 to 11. And like I, I already talked about the lame duck parts of this game, but I will say for Cincinnati, Jamar Chase is already seeming like a complete wide receiver. Not only has he just been a stud deep threat in the league so far, This year with seven receptions and 327 yards and four touchdowns of passes over 20 yards, the most in the league. His blocking was also on big display when he had a great block to help Joe Mixon on a long touchdown play. And he just stuffed the defender, didn't let him get anywhere near the running back. Joe Burrow was also impressive again throwing for 19 completions of 29 attempts for 271 yards and three touchdowns with only one interception and a quarterback rating of 115. This is his second year and he's just looking good every week and it's really giving them a chance to look like they could be a playoff contender. And the running game was solid. Joe Joe Mixon had a big day, 18 runs for 94 yards rushing and then another five completions for 59 yards and a touchdown pass. The Bengals are legit and they're fun to watch. And that just makes football better. All right, for my next hot take, I really just want to say Carson Wentz in that game where Indianapolis dominated the Houston Texans 31-3 really looks solid. And I think he's going to get better and better with that Indianapolis team. They struggled. They had some bad losses early in the season. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. But he looked good. He had 11 completions off 20 attempts for 223 yards and two touchdowns. And their running back with Jonathan Taylor can be really fun. He had a huge second half getting most of his 145 yards and two touchdowns in the second half. Okay, moving on. Another lame duck game that featured a really awesome team. So we'll just talk about the awesome team for the hot take was the Los Angeles Rams dominating the New York Giants, 38-11. to And a couple interesting stats on this one. 28 points in the second quarter for the Rams, which is the most for Sean McVay's head coaching career. So they just absolutely blew up in the second quarter. They only scored, th- they scored 38 points. 28 of them was just in the second quarter. Matthew Stafford looked excellent. 
22 completions off 28 passes for 251 yards and four touchdowns and only one interception, which was at the end of the first half and was really kind of a throwaway deep bomb that didn't really affect the game. Also, his star wide receiver, Cooper Cup, had nine catches for 130 yards and two of those touchdowns. Okay, another hot take was the Kansas City Chiefs having a dominant performance and really starting to pick up speed as the season goes on, scoring 31 points to knock out Washington, who only got 13. And it really was kind of a mess for Kansas City early on. They struggled. They had three turnovers. It was kind of close. And Patrick Mahomes has now thrown eight interceptions this year after only throwing six all of last season. But they turned things around, they got back on track in the third quarter, and then dominated for the rest of the game, making it look like like easy. Um, now they're 3-3. Three and three. They're only one game behind the division leaders, Las Vegas and the Chargers. And they're kind of looking like the team that's ready to get back to the playoffs and hopefully the Super Bowl like they were the last couple of years. They did struggle last year, you know, getting games going early on, and they were winning a lot of games in the second half. This year, they kind of weren't able to kind of turn it around after struggling early on in games, and they weren't getting some of those wins, but they certainly got it today. It was against a Washington team that is pretty questionable, has a questionable defense, not probably a playoff contender. So we'll see how they do against some other good teams. But when you're, you know, a defending AFC champion, also a former Super Bowl champion from two years ago, every team is going to be gunning for you every time they go up against you. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with the Chiefs. They're getting the best performance from their opponents, and they're struggling. They're not quite playing as well. I certainly think Patrick Mahomes doesn't look as good this year as he has the rest of his career. Maybe he's in his head a little too much. He's just not not kind of like naturally embracing his abilities. It's just kind of like he's overthinking it. All right, I got, a, I got two more hot take games, so let's go through those first. Baltimore having that dominant game against the Chargers and really the hot take here outside of the Chargers looking really bad, which I talked about in the lame duck segment, is Lamar Jackson, who now has the most wins by a starting quarterback before his 25th birthday over Dan Marino, Drew Bledsoe, (laughs) Drew Bledsoe, and Ben Roethlisberger. And this was a game where he had a subpar passing day, only going for 167 yards with one touchdown and two interceptions. But the Ravens won the game on the ground with 187 combined rushing yards, and they used three ex-pro bowlers to do it. Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray, and Le'Veon Bell all got touchdowns. And Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell weren't even on the team at the beginning of the season, but with all the injuries they had, they had to get those guys into the practice squad and then bumped up to the starting lineup to help out. And they certainly did that today. My last hot take would be about the Arizona Cardinals' dominance over the Cleveland Browns. And one thing that was interesting was the Cardinals coach slash offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury and quarterback coach Cam Turner were both out with COVID and couldn't be at the game. So other people had to help call the plays. But it really did not affect how great of a job Arizona did. Except for a partial comeback by the Browns, which included this really fun Hail Mary play at the end of the first half by Baker Mayfield to second-year receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. 
Otherwise, it was all Cardinals. And looking ahead, an interesting side note, I heard that the Zach, that Zach Ertz of the Philadelphia Eagles, who's a very good tight end, has now been traded to the Cardinals because they lost their solid tight end for the rest of the season. And now they've got another good one. And I'm guessing Zach Ertz is stoked because he probably thinks he's on another playoff slash maybe Super Bowl team. And of course, he has the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles from when they won a few years ago. And that is Hot Takes. All right, moving right along to my fan favorites. Now, unfortunately... San Francisco 49ers weren't even playing this week, which maybe is a good thing because they have a lot of injuries, so they're giving themselves a chance to heal up a little bit. So we'll only talk about the Chicago Bears and the Denver Broncos. And let's start off with Chicago Bears, who lost to the Green Bay Packers 24-14 in Chicago. And not a real big surprise here. Green Bay looks really good. They're probably going to win the division. They're getting better and better every week, it seems. Aaron Rodgers and that offense's slow start really only lasted about a week. And then since then, they've been quite dominant. But I kind of thought they might have a chance right after the beginning of the game when Chicago scored a touchdown on their opening drive. And the Bears' defense looked good early, stifling the Packers on their first two drives with sacks by all-star Khalil Mack and former Rams pro bowler Robert Quinn, keeping the Packers scoreless in the first quarter before the Rams got things going pretty big time. Ah, which was frustrating. But, you know, there was a fifth straight game with a sack for Khalil Mack, who has six sacks total, so he's still having a really good game. And a, I mean, so he's still having a really good week. I mean, year. Bleh. So he's still having a real good year. It's just a matter of if they could just pick up their offense. Their offensive line is weak and it's struggling. And really, they went into hibernation mode after that first touchdown until their six-minute touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, um, which got them within a score of Rodgers, but he was masterful on his next drive, making perfect throws before running it into the end zone himself, and then taunting the Chicago Bears fans with, uh, what was his chant? It was like, I own you. I still own you. I mean, he said, you know, he was watching some ladies flipping him the bird. So I get it. It's competitive. He makes football fun. If he wasn't a Green Bay Packer going against the Bears, I'd I'd be rooting for Aaron Rodgers every day of the week. I wish the Niners had picked him up instead of Alex Smith when they had the chance in the draft because he's a, a NorCal guy. But it is what it is. And Alex Smith could have been great. And to be honest, I think if Aaron Rodgers got pushed into that bad San Francisco team that Alex Smith got thrown into, I don't think Aaron Rodgers would be as good as he is now because there's some conditioning that happens in football. And when you get conditioned to to basically play frantically and get sacked all the time, I think good quarterbacks kind of turn bad a little bit. Aaron Rodgers had the chance to sit behind one of the all-time greats in Brett Favre and hone his craft and watch and learn while he continued to get better and not develop bad mistakes. So good for the Packers. Yay for you. You've got one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and you've had one Super Bowl to show for it, which a lot of people think is surprising. (sighs) For the Bears, maybe they've got a quarterback in the future with Justin Fields, but right now he's just too green. If Andy Dalton was around and healthy, he shouldn't be playing. He holds the ball too long, takes unnecessary sacks. He's uncertain in his decision-making, and he just needs some time. For my other fan favorite game, unfortunately, it was another disappointment. Denver lost 
24 to Las Vegas. We've got 34 points. Going into this game, all the talk was about John Gruden and how he got essentially fired. I mean, even though he resigned for all these horrible things he said in a bunch of emails stretching over seven years. And on top of it just being like shining a light on some really ugly human behavior, it was like, John Gruden, you're supposed to be a smart guy. Like, how stupid are you to put that stuff in writing? Uh, it's just a shame. When, when there's somebody you kind of rooted for and then you find these bad things out about them, it's just frustrating and it just makes you kind of question people. But I'm not going to get into all that. All I can say is what he said was despicable and he shouldn't be a head coach if that's the way he feels about things. And he's got a lot of, I don't know, learning and developing to do to prove that he's not the guy that those emails kind of said he was. And we're not going to see him in the NFL probably ever again. But his head interim head coach who replaced him, Rich Bisaccio, who was the special teams coordinator going into this game, really seems like he's got a fun energy and he's going to help his team and he can be the leader that they need. And, you know, maybe the team is going to group together. All that being said, they played really well and had a had a strong game. Denver made it close on a couple occasions, but really couldn't pull it off. Bridgewater had some huge missed throws early, including a wide open deep bomb to Sutton. And that's kind of was the story of the game for the Broncos. Bridgewater just kind of missing just a little bit. Receivers not quite getting the catches. And that one, you know, put 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 them uh, would have put them in field goal range and they didn't get that play. And Derek Carr was doing the exact opposite. He had some perfect deep passes and his receivers caught the contested catches. Uh, you know, on top of it, his stats looked really nice. He had 18 completions off 27 attempts for 341 yards and two touchdowns with a really high quarterback rating of 134.4. But as bad as the Broncos are playing against good teams, now mind you, they've only won three team, three games against all losing teams and the three games they've lost were against very good teams, the Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are looking better and better every week, and now the Las Vegas Raiders. But they're only one game back in the division. They're tied with the Chiefs at the bottom at 3-3, three and three, and if they can do some things on this road trip that's coming up, they could be really good. They're going on the road for three weeks, starting with a Thursday night game against a very injury-depleted Cleveland Browns. So this might be their chance to turn things around, and there's still hope for the, the Broncos, but you got to see him win a game against a good team, and they have yet to do that. All right, we've got one more segment, and that's the most entertaining games of the week. And we're going to jump right over across the pond to London for number five when the Jacksonville Jaguars finally got their first win after losing 20 straight, which was the second longest losing streak in NFL history dating back to early last season. And they beat the Miami Dolphins 23-20. to And I picked Jacksonville to win this game and thought this was probably going to be their best chance on the season. And sure enough, I was right. One of the things I really loved early in the game was watching Robinson's run at the beginning of the second half to set up Jacksonville's first lead of the game 
and it was a thing of beauty as he got skinny to maneuver through multiple defenders at the line before breaking multiple tackles and plowing forward as a pack of defenders pounced and grabbed at him before taking him down at the one yard line, only for him to score on the very next play. Uh, so that was sweet. And then another interesting moment was at a minute and 49 left in the game where it was tied, Miami went for it with a run attempt on the fourth and one from their own 46, and they got no gain on the play and they had a turnover on downs to help set Jacksonville up. And then to get back into field goal range on the next drive after getting put into third and 20 due to a sack, the Jags went for it on fourth and eight with five seconds left, knowing they could take it to overtime. And they managed to get a nine yard play with just five seconds left. Usually a play takes at least six seconds. And they were able to stop the uh, call a timeout with one second to go. And they kicked the 53 yard field goal to win the game. The kicker was a true star. He got another big kick to tie it up that like was bending almost like a soccer player bending it, kind of that phrase, bend it like Beckham. And it just, just narrowly got into the goalpost. So it was a fun game for the kicker. I'm sure he must have felt elated. Great game for all Jacksonville fans. And there's a lot of them in London because they go there every year to play. They're kind of like the football spokes team for the NFL for London, which is kind of funny because they're also one of the worst teams, but good for them. Good for the rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. And that was why that was my number five most entertaining game of the week. Now, my number four most entertaining game of the week had to be the Sunday primetime game where Pittsburgh won in overtime 23 to 20 against the Seattle Seahawks. And I've already dug mostly into that game. I would just say it was Certainly exciting, far more than I had anticipated. With Seattle Seahawks not having Russell Wilson as their quarterback, I didn't expect as much, but they made it fun. There was some exciting drives, there was some big plays, and anytime you get super exciting, competitive play at the very end of a game, and you even get a chance to go to overtime, it always makes it a very, very good game and very exciting. All right, we are getting close. My number three most entertaining game of the week was another nail-biter at the finish, with which is you know seeming to be a trend, with the Minnesota Vikings edging out Carolina another overtime game, winning 34-28 to with a walk-off touchdown to finish it out. Early on, though, there was poor play by Sam Darnold and key drops by the receiver's and it just seemed like Carolina was struggling. But then Carolina had that first block punt for a touchdown that they've had since 1998, 356 games ago. And it occurred in the third quarter that kind of helped get the momentum going for them. Um, and it got them their second lead of the game after like getting basically the first touchdown of the game, and it made it 17-12. But then Minnesota was able to score right away and get 16 points of in a row due to a missed two-point conversion attempt on their third effort of scoring. And then later, the Vikings missed a field goal and Carolina scored 11 points in a row thanks to a successful two-point conversion attempt on their touchdown to tie it with only 42 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Thinking, okay, guaranteed, we're just going straight to overtime. But the Vikings did what they've done many times so far this season in this short six games of this season and they drove 46 yards 
only to miss the game-clinching 47-yard field goal, which forced overtime. And then on the first drive of overtime, the Vikings got the ball and performed a masterful nine-play 75-yard drive that was capped off by a deep 27-yard walk-off touchdown pass, which I had mentioned earlier, to second-year wide receiver K.J. Bourne. And K.J. Bourne, who didn't have a single completion in his first year and was used mostly in kickoff returns, also made an impression on a third down catch in that overtime drive to help keep the drive moving. So he really was kind of the star of overtime along with Kirk Cousins. This season, Osborne has 26 of 35 um, catches and completions for 311 yards and two touchdowns. So he's having a great season in his second year, and it's great to see a guy kind of coming up, and it'll be interesting to see how his career progresses. Cousins had another great game for the season, too. He went 33 completions on 49 attempts for 373 yards and three touchdowns, no interceptions, a very big quarterback rating with 112. And he's bouncing back very nicely from the middling performance he had against the Browns last week and continuing to have a very, very good season. He was one of the top quarterbacks in the league in the first three weeks, and he's shining again. And for my number two most exciting game of the week, it's the third overtime game. Didn't quite make it to number one. The Dallas Cowboys edging out the New England Patriots in a game I really didn't think was going to be nearly this close or exciting. I kind of thought New England would not be that productive on offense and maybe just not be able to keep up with what has proven to be a very stout and very good Dallas Cowboys. They've been strong on defense lately. They've been they've been really strong on offense. All their playmakers have been performing. And this was another game where they did the same thing. First off, let's talk about second-year cornerback Trayvon Diggs, who's the brother of star Bills wide receiver Stephen Diggs. And he's having an epic year in only his second year in the league. He got a pick six near the end of the fourth quarter to put Dallas back in the lead, giving him six straight games with picks. Seven total on the season. That is the second defender to ever do that in NFL history. This guy is awesome. I mean, he's like a receiver playing defense, but he's just a ball hawk. Although, after he got that pick six, on the very next drive, the New England Patriots were able to come back and score because he kind of tried to jump on another jump jump another pass and get another pick and he missed it and Mac Jones threw an epic touchdown bomb to Kendrick Bourne for a 75-yard touchdown of their own and then they went for a two-point conversion and got it to tie the game now Dallas could have come back on that next drive and won it. They did get in field goal range after nine plays and a minute and 51 seconds, but Greg Zerline missed the 49-yard field goal, which ended the fourth quarter. And in the overtime, Dallas put on the pressure on defense. They stopped New England, forced a punt, and then drove it down themselves. And Dak Prescott hit a huge deep bomb to the right side, to CeeDee Lamb for a 35-yard walk-off touchdown. And at the end of Sunday, I looked back at this game and I said, that's that's the number one 
Most exciting game of the week for sure. But week six wasn't over quite yet because on that Monday game, like I had hinted at, we saw the most exciting game of the week by far. And I just loved every second of it, watching the Tennessee Titans beat the Buffalo Bills 34-31. to Not necessarily because I love the Tennessee Titans more than the Buffalo Bills, although I find both teams incredibly fun, but it, it had everything. Huge star power doing great things with King Derrick Henry putting up another epic day. And then you had Josh Allen also performing exceptionally well. But then the defenses for both teams and the Tennessee Titans defense has not been very good this year. They're actually, I think I've, they're ranked maybe one of the worst. They had a big game and Buffalo had a big game and it went back and forth and it almost should have gone to overtime like I talked about. But sure enough, they went for it all, went for the risk, thought they could get one yard, didn't do it. And then Buffalo saw their hopes of maintaining their edge in the AFC race kind of smushed a little bit. Now Buffalo has the same record as the Tennessee Titans at 4-2. and two, And that could really come down to it at the end of the season. If both of those teams are vying for a bye week or first place, that win could be the difference maker. So many fun storylines in this game. Like I said, it's a true great way to cap off the week. And by far, my most entertaining game of the week. Well, that's going to do it, folks, for week six of Strider NFL Football Reviews. I'm your host, Ian Strider. I hope you have a fantastic week coming up. Enjoy some nice October weather. Hopefully you get to enjoy some great football this weekend in week seven. And I can't wait to see what excitement the NFL brings. And I'll see you on the flip side. And I'll talk to you on the flippity skippity. And I'll check you on the chicken around.